0: True confessions did any of you ever have parents that said that to you when you were fighting with your siblings do you even love each other or maybe they asked it in maybe a little bit little variation from that or maybe maybe it wasn't a question maybe it was more of a command you know maybe your parents were trying to impress the new neighbors that were coming over for the first time or or some business associate and they sat you down and said now, okay now you have to act like you love one another right uh, sometimes uh, loving one another is, is a command, well it is, it is a command, but it's, it's hard to do, and, and maybe we ask, what does that look like, to love one another? The Bible says that the greatest demonstration of love that anybody can give is to lay down their life for one another, and yet not all of us have been asked or even had opportunity to do that. To to lay down our life for one another, and and that's what Jesus did is the greatest demonstration of love. But maybe that's frustrating once in a while when you hear a a verse like what Jesus just told his disciples, "Hey, people will know if you're my disciples if you love one another." Okay, what does that look like? We don't lay down our lives all the time. Don't even have opportunities. We can't always match the 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 level of love that Jesus did. And so maybe sometimes it's helpful to look at other examples of Christian love as a way to to motivate or even see what it looks like for our life. And the young man that we're going to be looking at today is a demonstration of of that light bulb of someone who who showed us what it was like to love one another. We're going to look at a young man by the name of Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan is not making too many who's who's of the bible lists these days you know if we were playing family feud up here and i said okay name the top 10 uh people of the bible jonathan would probably not be on the list let's just a little bit review of who he was uh about a thousand years before jesus ever walked on the scene in the old testament the the first half of the bible God had adopted a group of people that he made his own. We've talked about them before. They're, they're the Israelites or the Jews, kind of go by both names. And they were his nation, not because they were special, but God said, you know what? I have to adopt somebody because I'm going to bring Jesus into this world. And so he's got to come through someone. And so he, he adopts these group of people, these Jews, this, and they were a nation And they had all these leaders that God put over them. And one day they said, you know what, we want a king. And so God kind of reluctantly said, okay, you can have a king. And they elected or they chose this one guy by the name of Saul who stood a head taller than everybody else, and he became their king. Saul had a son whose name was Jonathan. And we don't know if Jonathan was just as tall as his dad uh, but he was gifted, we know he was gifted, he was very intelligent, he was a great fighter, he was a warrior. And, and as much similar to dynasties is that whenever there was a, a father who was a king, the, the son was next in line. And so Jonathan was, he was the prince, he was the next one who was going to be the king of Israel. And while he's out honing his skills, his leadership skills, his fighting skills, all of a sudden another young man splashes onto the scene. A young man by the name of David. David was kind of a nobody. Today he's a who's who. Back then, he wasn't. He was not even really highly regarded in his own family. You know, his, his dad would have never sat him down and said, okay, we got some important people coming over. Act like you love your brothers because he would have just said, David, don't even bother coming. You know, you're not that important. You're the runt of the litter. You're number eight of eight sons. So you, just take, you just stay out there. You take care of the fields and the flocks and we'll let the other brothers show their love and what a great family we are. Not a who's who. But then all of a sudden, just like that, David's popularity shoots through the roof with the help of a sling and a stone as God used him to take down one of the biggest enemies of, of this nation of Israel. He took down this giant, you've heard the story perhaps, uh, the nine and a half foot giant by the name of Goliath. And all of a sudden, people literally are singing David's praises, singing, making up songs About David and this doesn't sit so well with Saul I mean don't get me wrong he is super super happy that his big enemy is down that Goliath has fallen but he's a little concerned about the celebrity status of David that has risen and he's wondering how this is going to affect not just him personally but his legacy because does this mean that Jonathan is just going to become a nobody and so David, or so Saul rather, gives this really command, says, "I want to get rid of David. I want to take him down. I want him dead." And even though David had never given any indication that he was forming a coup, uh, David had never expressed any interest in the throne, but this was just Saul being a little bit hypersensitive <laughs> to the threat that maybe David was. But that's, that's not how Jonathan saw. David. In fact, you'd think a Jonathan of anybody should have felt more threatened, even than his dad, because Saul you know, was getting up in years. He, he, was, he was going to continue to be king. But maybe Jonathan thought, oh, I'm not going to get that position. I'm not going to, get to the, go to the throne. But no, Jonathan didn't look at David as a foe, as an enemy. He looked at him as a friend. Even though his dad and, and Jonathan loved and respected his dad, but he also knew what it was like to put into practice these words: "Love one another, no matter who that another is." And and you see kind of this this friendship develop between Jonathan and David. And, and I think sometimes children's Bibles or children's stories books just with their 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 pictures their illustrations sometimes can summarize the whole story and I just took this picture you know this is one out of a a story Bible and that's that's these two guys they are brothers you know they are high-fiving each other they are are maybe making pinky swears or something like that you know they are blood brothers And, and they are they are just exchanging war stories they are you know exchanging gifts maybe they are doing what friends do here, you know, maybe they hey, you want to go shoot in the desert? And, and, but they wouldn't, shot, they wouldn't have shot guns, they would have shot slings, or, or Jonathan was a great archer, so he's shooting bow and arrow, and that's what they're doing. And when Jonathan hears this threat against his friend, he calls a special meeting, a private meeting. And as we eavesdrop on the conversation here today between Jonathan and David, I think we get a better understanding of what it means to love one another and how God can use that in our lives. And so reading from first, uh, this is from 1 Samuel, if you're following along, if you brought your own Bible today. So it's in the Old Testament near the beginning. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20, uh, beginning at verse, or yeah, beginning at verse 12, where it says this. It says, Then Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed toward you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you, as he has been with my father. But show me unfailing kindness, like the Lord's kindness, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. And so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. And you you listen to that, that conversation, and you know there's there's just a whole bunch of you see love pouring out into action. Right? They what what were some of the things that you noticed there? You noticed that that they trusted each other, they 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 put each other's lives into the other person's hands. Or you just look at the words of encouragement, that last line here in verse 13. May the Lord be with you. I, I think sometimes we, we just throw that phrase out there, but that is, that is encouraging to know that you have the Lord with you. And, and that's what Jonathan does for David out of love for him. I want the Lord to be with you. Or, or you just see this, this aspect of, of, of where they are, are so dependent on one another they are so about the other person so they, they trust one another they they encourage one another they they they, they show that they, they make a promise to one another uh, you know they're saying they're not just worried about themselves they're worried about their family after them making this covenant you, you just look at the whole story of Jonathan and David and you I think you see one of those those things from 1 Corinthians 13, where that whole long list of what love is. I don't know what you think is the hardest aspect of love, but every time I go that list, I, I see probably the hardest one is love is not self-seeking. It's not about me, but it's about you. That's a hard thing to do. Especially when we turn love into an emotion, because then it's how I feel. But at its core, love is saying, may this happen for you. May this be done for you. It's not about me. It's about you. And you just think about our relationships and how hard that is to do. Uh, you know, you, you just look at someone who's, who's got all these gifts. And, and to, to truly love them would, be, would mean that you want to help them utilize those gifts to God's glory. And yet, what do we often do? we often sulk because we don't have those same amount of gifts. See, love is always about the other person. Or I even think about, uh, you know, what happens in church once in a while, even how we go about making decisions as a congregation. Uh, We're going to have some big decisions, I'm sure, over the next couple of years, but even some small decisions today at the family forum. You know, I'm thinking, okay, how do we want to set up for worship? Do Do you want the white wall to be the front, or do you want the blue wall to be the front? And and I shouldn't ask, what do you like? Because it should be what do you think is best? Right? It's not always what my, my preference is, it's what's best for others. And I don't know the answer to that. And maybe we'll switch them around every week. Who knows? But but you get the you get the idea that it's it's so hard to not be self-seeking. It's so hard to always put the other person first, especially when that person isn't maybe someone that we like. Or it's not someone that, or, or it's someone who's really our enemy. Which is kind of what Jonathan and David should have been. They were political enemies, could have been political enemies. I mean, you look at the world today, how do political enemies talk about one another? Would you ever see one of them saying, hey, may the Lord be with you? You don't. And yet, that's what Jonathan does here. And when I consider how hard that is in my life to be, hey, it's not about me, but it's about you. It does, it does really lead you to marvel. And how God used this Jonathan to be that light bulb and show the love of God to others around him. That, you know, I, I, I love one of the, the, the closing phrase of, of this whole section, right? He loved him, Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Jonathan was just as much about David as he was about Jonathan. And yet today isn't so much about, oh, great Jonathan, right? We can marvel. We can marvel at how God used Jonathan, but let's let's look at that point. How God used Jonathan. How God chose to bless the people around him through the love of Jonathan. I mean, you you think of some of the things that, 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 the way that God worked out Jonathan's in his life. I don't know if you caught it here, but one of the promises that, that Jonathan said, he said, hey, if I get cut off, will you take care of my family? And that's Jonathan, not again, not thinking about himself. It's thinking about the people around him. And if you fast forward, there's a, a Jonathan's son, if you know the trivia, Mephibosheth, it's a great name. His, his crippled son, Mephibosheth, ends up sitting at David's palace table, kitchen table, for the rest of his life. Look at how the fact that Jonathan loved David ended up blessing his own son. Isn't that neat how it just kind of gets passed along? Or you think of how because Jonathan loved David, who else benefited? Thousands of people. As David would become the greatest king in Israel's history, and so now you have thousands of people who are blessed financially. As they are, are in, a, in a time frame when, when the world, when they are just thriving as a country. Something that could not have happened if Jonathan wouldn't have loved David and put David first. Or you think about how that whole nation would, would, would celebrate or enjoy safety under David's reign. Or you think about how that whole nation was blessed spiritually as David became a great model for all of his citizens in, in putting God first and, and what it meant to worship him. I, you know, it is just amazing to see because Jonathan put David first, now David became a blessing to all these other people. In fact, David became a blessing to you because of Jonathan. You know, last week here we had Shepherds, or Good Shepherd Sunday, and we included Psalm 23, that that popular shepherd psalm written by David. And, and a couple of you talked to me afterwards or sent me a note this week saying how, how much Psalm 23 has helped you throughout your life. Now, God could have had someone else write those words, but in his wisdom, he used David, a shepherd, to write those comforting words, words that David would not have been able to, written, to write if Jonathan wasn't there. Showing his love to David and saving his life I mean the exponential effects of loving one another are mind-blowing and then you get to the ultimate blessing that comes through David is that David was talked about on when on, on Christmas itself When the angels come to those shepherds out in the fields nearby, what do they say? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Or why were Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem? Because they were of the house and line of David. Because Jonathan showed his love towards David, David would have, years later, someone who's nicknamed the son of David our Savior, who would give the greatest demonstration of loving one another as he laid down his life for you. You know, when Jesus Jesus gives this command in the upper room to love one another, those aren't just words on his lips. He's not a do as I say, not as I do type of a preacher. He loved one another and giving his life He loved one another and being all about you first. And that's something to celebrate. Something to celebrate what Jesus did for us, but also something to celebrate how God could use someone like Jonathan as just one little instrument paving the path for that Savior to come who would be a blessing to others. And And I guess that would be my encouragement today is if God could do something so great like that through Jonathan just showing love for his friend, don't underestimate what God could do for you or through you as you're that light bulb, as you love one another. Now, God's not going to bring Jesus through anybody that you show love to. Jesus has already come. But don't underestimate just what an effect you might have on the whole world when you show love to someone else. And so when you leave here today, um, let, let's kind of put this into practical terms. Instead of just talking in the car on the way home, oh, what was the sermon about, or thinking about the sermon? Oh, yeah, it was about loving one another. Let's let's, let's give ourselves a little challenge this week. Seven days, all right? You have seven days to worship again, or four if you come on Thursday, five if you come on Thursday. But try to do something thinking about this. Purposely, what is one thing that you will do to show love to another person this week? Do something every day. Maybe it's writing a card to your spouse. Maybe it's telling a teacher thank you. Maybe it's paying forward for the person behind you at Starbucks. Maybe it's, maybe it's whatever it is. Whatever it is, just kind of cognitively think about this. That's redundant, I know. Um, But as you show love to one another, and then watch. You may never see it. But God says there's a reason why Jesus tells us this command to love one another. It's not because he wants to make you do something like a parent sits you down. All right, you have to love one another. Because as he tells you to love one another, he knows He knows it's a way for his love to be shown to others. You know, there's an old saying that says, uh, only one out of a hundred people will read a Bible. 99 out of a hundred will read you. And so God's blessings as you work on writing your chapters this week for people to be read. Praying that through you, they might see their Savior who loves them. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all